Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. I'm Rajan, and uh, with the NBA season tipping off either in a couple of days or even potentially tipping off today, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, um, I wanted to make sure that I honor a tradition that's happened since the start of the Hail to the District podcast, and that is getting my friends John and Neil onto the pod to preview the upcoming NBA season, provide our in-depth thoughts on each conference, being the East and the West, and just kind of going around and seeing where segues take us for each individual parts of that respective uh, previews. So for part one, Neil wasn't uh, able to join us because he's too busy with his extracurricular activities at the moment. We'll just leave it at that. So I got John on the line. John, what's up? How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Um, sorry, Neil couldn't join us. Uh, we, we all have an off day sometimes. I had one yesterday. So, you know, we'll figure it out. But I think we'll still uh, keep this rolling. We'll trudge through on that. Good. I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of kind of go through this. I, I think there is some foregone conclusions that a lot of people have of how this season's going to play out. And, but I still think it's going to be fun. Um, I think looking at a lot of these over-unders are going to be really interesting, especially taking into account that, you know, it's a 72 game season. So you have to recalibrate your head that uh, 36 wins is 500. So when you see some of these numbers and hear some of these numbers, keeping that in perspective. Yeah, 42-win season is good in this case, whereas 42-win season would be rather mediocre in any other non-COVID-based world. And kind of using what your first part as a segue, so um, yes, a lot of people do have a foregone conclusion or believe that the outcome of the Western Conference, which we're going to be diving into for today's episode or for this part one of the episode, of a part one of our preview episodes, I should say, as a foregone conclusion. But I think it's very similar to what kind of happened when we were talking about what like Golden State's dominance over the last few years, or even maybe potentially Miami's dominance of the few years prior to that, right? Like, okay, and the Lakers of the early 2000s, too. The Lakers of the early 2000s, in the sense that you know what the outcome is. You're almost very highly certain of what the outcome is going to be, but like everything else, to your point, underneath that is going to be rather interesting, and all the steps leading up to that final outcome will be interesting, even if the final, final, final outcome is kind of preordained from the beginning. So using that for people who are familiar with our podcast formats from previous years, what we're going to basically be doing is comparing our notes, which we have not compared as of yet, um, in terms of who we believe to be the top eight teams in any conference. And I'll actually say, we'll probably just go ahead and extend it to the top nine or 10 teams, considering the new NBA playoff format, which is still a little fuzzy by and large, but we're just going to power through that nonetheless. So we'll start here. actually really wacky, actually. So the seventh and the eighth seeds play each other. And then the winner of that becomes the seventh seed. Nine and ten play each other. And then the winner of that plays the loser of the seven-eight. So it's going to be really weird. The loser of the seven-eight. Then what happens if the loser of the seven-eight beats the winner of the nine and ten? Then they get the eighth seed. Then they get the, wow. That is yeah, nuts. it's really convoluted. I, I would have thought they would have just done seven versus ten, eight versus nine. Which makes but, all the sense in the world. I guess they want to, I don't know. Maybe they're trying to tip their hat to the hockey playoffs, which make no sense whatsoever. So, uh, although literally the hockey playoffs make no sense in terms of their seedings, so at least this one, you can have some logical justification for it with the NHL. Who the fuck knows what they're doing? Right. In that, the East, that play-in tournament's going to be kind of poo-poo, whereas in the West, the play-in gonna tournament's awesome. going to be excellent. So let's start here. Who, if... If you had to do your one through 10, who do you have as your nine and 10 right now? Uh, I, I think, man, this one's going to be tough. This one, because Houston's going to be in this range, and I have no clue what they're going to do. I, I actually kind of think John Wall's going to have a pretty good season, whether Harden's there or not. Um, he's, he's looked pretty good in the preseason so far, and he's definitely got that, you know, fuck you attitude going on for it. So I could kind of see them sneak into the 10, but I could also see them falling out and somebody like San Antonio or Memphis going in. So I, I'm thinking Houston falls out of the top 10 even is, is going to be my call. And we I'm going to say, I'm gonna say uh, Memphis is going to sneak in. That's, that's going to be my pick. I had Golden State, at nine, uh, Golden State and Memphis is 9 and 10. Or, and I could have a conversation about the two of them being flipped. So um, I would put Golden State at nine because I 
losing clay really really devastating really hurts and as you saw steph and and draymond and things isn't great and you can't count on you can't count on steph for a 72 game season they'll be lucky to get 50 games out of him And and i think they'll manage that to very much to that point right and i don't i'm i'm not that high on wiseman I, you know, some people consider him to be a potential rookie of the year just because of the fact that he should get minutes there. Because who else is going to get, you know, minutes at the five for Golden State? But he's such a question mark; it's hard to tell. And then you got Andrew Wiggins, who has, you know, no heart. No heart. <laughs> but I did like the Ubre signing. For so them. it's it's really funny because like or they're trade. like, man, Kelly Oubre when he breaks out, like it's gonna it's gonna be awesome. And I'm like, God, tell a Wizards fan about when when he breaks out. I'm like, look, he's talented and he has flashes and he will tantalize you, God knows how many times. But like to expect him to kind of consistently put it together, uh, granted he's still young as hell. I think he's 23, but like just expecting like Oubre just feels like one of those things where. You know, I'm not expecting him to break out or anything like that. I'm just expecting him to be a solid three and D guy for them. And I think that's all they really need out of him. To the point about defense, that's exactly why I could talk myself into Golden State being a 10 seed. Like even with Draymond Green and Stephen Curry, who I think are going to shoulder a lot of this and take a lot of this the doubt personally. But that team is a defensive disaster. I mean, they've got nothing. Like there's I mean, with Curry, you can probably outscore anyone on the nights that he actually plays. But like, good lord, that de- that team could be a sieve. Like, if you look at their roster, right? Like Kent Bazemore, who they just showed up like 15 minutes ago, right? It's really the only one who gives a shit about defense. I mean, Draymond maybe, gives a shit. All I was right, gonna say on. outside of Draymond Green, right? But like, it, it's it's a really bad team, and like the expecting anything out of that, and I mean. God, Steve Kerr has got his hands full to say the least in all of this matter. So, he does. Um, I, in conversation with Memphis, like I, I like Memphis. Um, I know they're starting the year with guys like Jaron Jackson and Justice Winslow um, on like the shelf in terms of injuries, but like they just feel like that that young, frisky, you know, energetic team. They remind me a lot, strangely, of kind of like the the Timberwolves of like the mid '90s that are right on the cusp and it's all coming together. I mean, they were there the ninth seed of the West last year. Um, right. But you know, John Morant, he's he's still got a lot of work to do, but he's a lot of fun. And um, Jaron Jackson, again, another talented player. And I mean, they've just got pieces. I mean, a lot of them are pieces, the best way to put it. But uh, I like them more as the nine seed than I do with Golden State. I think just Golden State, like they've got, it's it's. Too top-heavy without the right top pieces, if that makes any sense. Well, I mean, if Steph goes back to being MVP Steph, then that's another story. But I don't see it. I just don't see it. And the West is too competitive. I could definitely see Golden State essentially taking another year off. Right. And it's like – because you can't – if you just sit and objectively look at it, you you alluded to Wiggins, but like – Wiggins, Ubrain, and Wiseman, if, if those are three of your starters and you fancy yourself as a playoff team, like, oh boy, even risk regardless of having the other two team, the other two guys in tow. And like, yeah, um, I don't know. Well, I think it, so in one team kind of in this group that if you look at their f- starting five that I actually find impressive, who I would have in that seven, eight range is Phoenix. Yeah, Phoenix is eight for me in that end, and um, we should probably you know tips off that tips the cap in terms of who's going to be seven. Um, I don't know. I mean, I I will always look at DeAndre Ayton through the stink of you should have been um, Luca Luca Doncic. Um, I, I said it back then, and it was the most obvious pick in the world that Phoenix was not going to take. Um, was not going to take Luka Doncic irrespective of everything else. It's because Robert Sarver was a university of alumni, university of Arizona alumni where Deandre Ayton went to school. And basically didn't he like pay Ayton to go to Arizona? So like, there were so many, ba- so many back channel things that took place. And I'm like, if anyone expected that Deandre Ayton was not going to be picked by Arizona, I mean, by the Phoenix Suns, like you're completely full of it. But as an aside, like to your point, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Michael Bridges, Jay Crowder, and Aiton, who the light switch started to turn on a little bit last year, surprisingly, yeah. is not a bad lineup, right? Like that's Bridges really, looked awesome in the great, bubble. Great on-ball defender, looked really awesome in the bubble. Um, 
and Chris Paul has played really well. Devin Booker, the light switch has definitely gone on for him. Yeah. There, it's, it's really interesting, especially considering that the second half of the Western Conference is kind of a mosh pit. Like You could see them ascending almost as high as six in many cases. And if they finished there, I wouldn't be the slightest. I wouldn't be that surprised, to be honest with you. Right. I mean, and they, and they, they also picked up uh, Jay Crowder, who, I mean, that's the guy that nobody, nobody wants to play against him. Because he's just kind of dirty. <laughs> yeah, and, but he, he's, yeah, he's the guy you hate to play against, and he's the guy you'd like to have on your team for a brief amount of time. But then, like you said, you don't want to play against him. And then Jalen Smith from Maryland, who's yes. – I think his game's going to translate well to the pro level versus in the college level because he's, he does have some serious range for a big man, and he'll give them some floor space in when he's out there. So – I think he could be a, a nice little little piece that might might come on in the second half of the season. The bench isn't terrible. Like no. Dario, Dario Saric is there. Yep. Uh, Cameron Payne, the light switch actually kind of went on. You alluded to uh, you alluded to Jalen Smith. I mean, Etwan Moore's not terrible. Like Etwan Moore's not bad, and Cameron Johnson showed that he can be a lights out shooter. So I I, I think they're interesting. Um, eight in many cases does feel kind of low. I just have an irrational liking. I wouldn't call them love interest, but like I have an irrational liking for the New Orleans New Orleans Pelicans. Why I have it seven? Um, I yeah. think I want them to be better than they probably are going to be, but I, I just I find them to be an interesting team. Um, one thing I'll say about this, or one thing I'll say about um, what happened last year. Um, so the whole Zion phenomenon. I think even as good as he looked for that brief stretch when he came back, like Zion Williamson was never the guy we saw at Duke for all of last year. He came into the season injured. He came into the season out of shape. No one can deny that. Right. Um, and then he definitely came into the bubble out of shape. Definitely came into the bubble out of shape. And I think he spent whatever little time he had on the shelf kind of getting himself together um, the question that was asked about him, I think is going to perpetually remain until he shows otherwise about can he stay in shape. But I think the balance that he's going to be able to provide to a team that already has Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball, um, I think that team together just just really interesting. Now, it's interesting from the perspective of they have interesting names and interesting because they don't really fit together in a lot of cases. But I think they... Um, there is a section of the multiverse where they come together and they can be really, really fun. Well, one, they have a massive war chest of draft picks that they can yeah. make trades with. They, they also have young players that they could make trades with. Um, Cause I, I could see Lonzo getting shipped out. Maybe um, they did get Eric Bledsoe in that drew holiday trade. Losing drew is going to be, I think that that hurts, but I, I don't think that cripples them in any way. I mean, Eric Bledsoe is, what, they need to just make the playoffs, and as we've seen, Eric Bledsoe can help you make the playoffs. Yeah. He just doesn't show up in the say, playoffs. Don't ask you for anything else past that. But, I mean, they also got Steven Adams, which is interesting, and I don't, I don't know how I feel about that because that's not a center I really want to put next to Zion. I want to put a Jalen Smith-type center next to, to Zion. I don't want somebody clogging the paint. So that that's kind of weird. So they definitely do have some fitment issues, but they are going to be fun as hell to watch. I think so. And I, I still have a little bit. I haven't sold my timeshare on Lonzo Ball, Ball Island. Like I oh, still I'm, like him I'm a way lot. off. Yeah. I'm so I was never on that island. I never when when I still like I, I still have an irrational um enjoyment of him. It's it's when diminished. Darren Fox ate stole his lunch money in college. Yeah. Like I just was like, this guy just he does not have it. He just doesn't have it. I don't so, have a good counter to you for that. I really when, don't. When, right. You, you're both top draft picks coming up, and you face off head-to-head, and you just get destroyed. It's a bad look. But I think to your point about Steven Adams, going back to that, um, it's one of those things. So Steven Adams is another culture guy. We'll talk much more about the Oklahoma City culture and the players associated with that, obviously, as we veer towards the East, um, sure. given the obvious trades that took place. Um, 
but Stephen Adams, a lot of people feel like that was a culture guy, but I think it was Zach Lowe who mentioned in one of his podcasts who was like, you know, the real fun universe would be Zion Williamson at the five kind of Absolutely. Surra- surrounded by a bunch of shooters. Like yeah. you have like Ingram, Bledsoe, Lonzo, not that the two of them are great shooters, but nonetheless more shooters than Reddick and Josh Hart. I was going to say Reddick and Josh Hart as any one of those guys. Now you're talking, right? Right. Like that That's a, that's a scary five man lineup. And Shout out to Virginia Tech's Nikel Alexander Walker, who the light switch is turning on. Like they're they're quietly or you know cautiously optimistic about him. He did not look good as a rookie, but um, you know, a lot of players don't look good as a rookie. Right? The, yeah, he I definitely did struggle, out. and I think he also dealt with injuries. Because um, I thought that coming into last season, he was gonna he was really gonna step up for him, and he just didn't get the minutes. So if he gets some minutes, um, I, he could be a real boost for them. But they definitely have shooting on their on that team so you can definitely see a lot of zion but now you've got a millions of dollars tied up in steven adams for what yeah just to grab some boards and be you know an awesome tough guy i mean yeah. i think he could get stabbed in the middle of a game and he'd still play he'd just right. keep going you can't stop him he's like a terminator yeah and he's also he's um I had it. I lost it. But basically, you know, he's 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 a grown up in the room to a certain extent, right? Like he's been yeah. there. He's battle tested. Um, yeah, he's also going to instill some toughness on a team that probably lacks it. Like if you look at everybody else, they don't they don't have a tough guy on that team. Um, so I totally I, I totally get that perspective. Um, yeah, like Ingram, right? Like Ingram's really really good, and he sort of he broke out, but he's still kind of dare I say the word soft. He's, um, he's soft and he's so, he's still so skinny. So skinny, man. That guy has all limbs, all yeah. limbs. It terrifies me. Um, Jackson Hayes, who looks like Shad, so who looks like Sideshow Bob is still there. Um, yes. <laughs> he's, he, he's not, he's not anywhere close. Uh, Kira Lewis, the guy who they took in the first round is interesting, but years away. Like he's, he's the old two years from being two years away. And so, um, he's he's again interesting not to overuse that word but he's he's not going to contribute right away he's kind of built to the young mode of the rest of this team right and he'll have they've they just have too many dudes it's going to be hard for some of these young guys to get minutes because they are going to i mean they have a pretty nice 10 one through 10 isn't bad so i will say phoenix was a tough over under phoenix's over under was 38 and a half i have them right around there in terms of that, but right. New Orleans over under was also thirty six and a half. Six and a half. And I, yeah. I, I really like the over on that one. I, I I like I shouldn't say really like, but I do like the over on that one. But it would it would require a few things to go right in that for that perspective. Yeah, I think the next two um over unders kind of get interesting for me. So I would if, if we're gonna jump ahead, I'm gonna say my number sixteen would be uh Utah. See, I really, I think four, five, and six in the West is really where the, the, the most interesting part of the conference, right? Like, yeah. Less so than who makes the play in game. Like, because I'm in agreement with you. I think Houston's going to be a disaster. I, I have to believe that they're going to trade James Harden at this, some point this season. Like, yeah. I just have to. Um, and past that, I don't have any hope. Love Greg Popovich. Think Popovich's amazing. I don't think San Antonio is good enough. Um, I think Minnesota. I my thoughts on Anthony Edwards at number one overall, pretty well documented. That team has no heart whatsoever. Um, so I'm not going to put Minnesota in the conversation. And after that, there's you know it's nothing realistic. So four, five, and six is the real, real proverbial dogfight in this. I struggled a lot, but I have Portland at six, but I don't like it. Um, I so Portland so that's one of that's one of my interesting ones because they're at forty one and a half and I would hammer the over to be honest yeah I really really like their team uh, a little bit of addition by subtraction by getting rid of Hassan Whiteside yes um, oh yeah for sure he so he's he's a total stat monster like he's he's uh I think he's in he's in Sacramento now and he's gonna get probably ten ten points and ten boards easy in. 20 minutes or whatever he plays because but yeah he's just he's just not somebody you want on your team and the reason that that uh that they could afford losing them is because Nurkic is going to be back to start the season the whole reason they made that trade was one Whiteside was expiring contract and two Nurkic missed the start of last season and they needed a, 
another big to step in. So with Nurkic, who was looking excellent in the bubble, um, healthy to start the season, um, they added Robert Covington, yeah. who is a, a very nice piece for them. They kept uh, Rodney Hood. Zach Collins um, might, you know, kind of pull it all together, and and he started to to look really good in the postseason. Not just this past postseason, but the postseason before too. He he really showed some toughness, um, and he's got range. So, and then you just can't count out Dame time, man. Dame time. Damian Lillard is one of those. I've always I've said this many, many times, and I'll say it many times again, probably in the future. Like, I've never liked volume scorers. I've never liked guys who take a whole bunch of shots and get a whole bunch of points, except for Damian Lillard. Like, he's he's for someone who can be a little narcissistic, for someone who, with that style of game, someone who's so ball dominant. He's so goddamn fun to watch and so enjoyable, right? Like, right. there are players like I kind of. In a weird way, I compare him to his teammate in Carmelo Anthony in the sense that Carmelo Anthony was a very similar player. But Carmelo Anthony was just so unbearably unlikable in so many cases. And Lillard is literally the opposite of that. Like, he's just such a joy to watch. And, I mean, I I think it's the ferocity he plays with, the way that the shots go in in, um, in clutch moments. The heat checks that he has can be unbelievable. Right. but echoing your point about Robert Covington and the macro point that that rolls up to, the thing that I find fascinating about them is that there's this like thing where Terry Stotts was talking about like, okay, I overcomplicated the defense a little bit. I overcomplicated the way we play this. Um, I kind of made our guys think a little too much in terms of the way they were approaching the defensive scheme. And they're just going to kind of simplify that. Usually that is a bad word, but I do feel like, that's going to take make their life a lot easier, especially when you juxtapose the fact that they added guys who can or have guys who can start to excel on defense so that guys like Lillard and McCollum can kind of bear the brunt on the offense along with Nurkic, right? Like you mentioned Robert Covington. Derek Jones can play defense. Yes. Gary Trent can play defense. Um, Zach Collins, one thing I love about this organization is that like we know Zach Collins is, talent, is talented. We know there's flashes. We know he's got early growing pains. We're going to be patient with him. We know there's something to be said that when he gets done getting over these like, youthful indiscretions in terms of his injuries, he's going to be a good player. And I love the fact you're not trying to pressure him because he was a top 10 pick or something to be good right away. That shows long-term foresight. And I think they should be commended for that. Like I said, And they were already a team that was third in offensive efficiency. And there's very little reason to believe that that's going to drop off given the, given the fact that Continuity yeah. is there. They're getting good players back, and they still have. Damian I think. It, I, yeah, I I would see zero drop off. I, they're a better team. Their their problem the last year was their bench was weakened, and they re-strengthened their bench. They got Enos Cantor back, who played his best basketball when he was in Portland, after you know spending a year in Boston. So that was like a nice little addition. And then you still have the mystery of. Anthony Simons, who's like the luster, you know, the, the shine is kind of dimmed on him a little bit um, just because he hasn't really shown anything. But what if he does? I mean, yeah. that just gives him That's even more weapons. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. I, and, and I would argue, as many would probably agree with, that when they went to the bubble, Damian Lillard was one of the two best players in the NBA. You know, I'll give you a hint. One of the, the other best players in the NBA may not have been LeBron if you look at it in the aggregate, right? I'll say Lillard was one of the two best players that in the bubble itself. So, Is, is one of those uh, players also in this four to six range? No, he is not. Oh, oh I, I thought it would be. He is not. We will, I, I will leave that as a teaser. But um, to that point, I, I have Portland at six. I have them right at about 41 wins. I, I, I don't like it. So to use that, I flip-flopped. I had Utah at five just because I think the team is, again, the team one through five is really good. Maybe even one through six or seven being Conley, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Boyan Bogdanovich, Rudy Gobert, Derek Favors. And then if you want to count like Jordan Clarkson as the seventh guy, fine. Right. Also, as an aside, why is Boyan Bogdanovich good now? <laughs> like, why is he good now? As opposed to the – he had one good game in Washington it's after trading literally a first-round one round good he game. Had one. One, and then he didn't show up at all. 
of uh, all the things that chat I may ask about Ernie Grunfeld's moves, that one and hearing everyone gush about Boyan Bogdanovich when he stunk for us for so long, uh, yeah. that, 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 it really, it's just, it's the, it's, it's the turd boomerang that just keeps coming back. What Ernie Grunfeld is in the moves that he made. I was just listening to people gush about him and I'm like, you know, you know, when Boyan wasn't good, do you remember when he wasn't good? The cup of coffee that he had in Washington. So frustrating. How many wins do they have? So many wins. So many wins. That's, that, that is one of my favorite game of zones is Boyan on the Nets getting traded yeah. to Washington. He's so excited. Washington, they have like 43 wins. Holy, so many wins. Um, such a good. So I had, so I have, I had Utah at six. I had Dallas at five and I had Portland at four. Dallas at five, be still my beating heart. I had Dallas at four, and here's why. It, it's Luka Doncic. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's the thing, right? So, um, okay, so facetiousness aside, Chris Stubbs Porzingis is the proverbial $64,000 question in this. You know, if he stays healthy if. This, and everything stays, uh, you know, it changes. But as you, you just said it, right, if. That's a colossal if. And, uh, you know, you have to start thinking that the Luke, that Kristaps Porzingis train of staying healthy, that train is sailed, right? But they've kind of built the way, the team to overcompensate for that, right? Like they're another team, kind of like what we were saying with Portland, that they've put a bunch of defensive pieces, like a Josh Richardson, like a Dorian Finney-Smith in many cases, right? Like they've got guys who can be defensive players and kind of overcome that. Like Trey Burke is starting to be a thing. Another guy who fucking Another guy sucked who was in was Washington. Awful in Washington. Right? Yeah. Uh, sorry, Finney's more of the shooter, but like, and so, but like, so you've got the shooters in Hardaway and Smith. You've got more of the defensive guys. Um, you've got Jalen Brunson as a tertiary slash secondary playmaker but it just reminds me of another team that's just built around the star that can drive the team and is good enough to really be that one-man band and again let's not forget the fact they were number one in offensive efficiency last year yeah they rick carlisle is an amazing coach um he the josh richardson trade i thought was sneaky good yeah um seth curry is a great shooter and i think he fits perfectly in Philly, because they yes. needed, they need somebody that can hit open, open threes, and he can do that for them. But Josh Richardson was such a baller, in Miami, and I thought that when when the Jimmy Butler trade happened, that I was like, that's actually a decent return on that trade, in yes. my opinion. And I don't know, I will blame uh, Brett Brown and the dysfunction of Philly as the reason that Josh Richardson struggled last year, and I think him going to Dallas is going to be huge because he can do exactly what they need him to do, which is that three and D role. He's going to play really tough defense and he can hit open shots and create spacing for Luca to do his thing. He's a perfect player, perfect wing to go with Luca. It's in, it's interesting. Um, so the reason why I can ascribe to Dallas, not being the fourth seed, maybe being the five seed or even the sixth seed, irrespective of Luka Doncic's dominance is because they're still kind of hoarding their cap space and they've built the team in a way that they're trying to like see if they can woo anyone in a increasingly overrated uh, free agent class next year because a lot of people are trying to sign up their contracts or sign right it's actually kind of come down to the level where it's equivalent to this past offseason where there's nobody there it's basically it's Kawhi yeah and And Rudy Gobert and Kawhi's gonna resign like he's gonna stay in LA because why wouldn't he in terms of like just the money and like the work unless they have a shit show of a season which is completely possible it's very possible um but i i like even like maxi kleber is a decent player on their team willie like willie collie stein is an interesting player for the part that he can play now how far they can get to the playoffs with this cast is an entirely different question but if we're just talking about for the purposes of the regular season i mean you they have enough tools in the toolkit to be an interesting team such that like they can beat you just by the some of the individual some of the total being greater than that of the individual parts so the reason why i had them at five and not at four is because i think luca misses time and that is going to cost them wins because he's also shown that he can't be he's not the healthiest guy either 
And um, when I saw him in the preseason, my boy looked a little pudgy. Yeah, he wasn't he, James Harden pudgy, but he 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 definitely looked. He and he and he consistently does this, and that's what kind of makes you a little nervous about him. It's like, when is he going to take his his physicality serious? He likes his food and his cigarettes. That's a very well documented fact. Um, I can attest to the food. The cigarettes, not so much. But I can I, I can understand where he's coming from. But yeah, he he that that's always been a bad habit for him. I think like many other players, although it's sad that someone at twenty two or whatever he is has to do that, he's gonna play himself into shape. I can see that. But he's so goddamn talented. Like it's just and he's so young right now that like it's gonna take him what, you know, when you're twenty two, you basically have that superpower that you can get in shape in like two weeks. Um, right. Yeah. I, I uh Shout out to Mark Cuban. Shout out to Rick Carlisle. As you said, like they've just built an amazing team with the pieces that they have already. And um, I'm going to quietly hope that there is one last shred of health left for Kristaps Porzingis. Cause if they do, I think that's a really, really good I team. I love Porzingis. Um, I actually think to use it as a segue that if let's just say in the one in 14 million and six circumstances in the multiverse that, uh, Porzingis stays healthy and plays the entire year, they could go as high as number three. Cause I feel like Denver peaked a little bit last year. And I feel like there's a little bit, like I feel like they played a little above themselves last year, especially as far and as deep as they got. And like, I get like Nikola Jokic is amazing. And that guy's passing is literally basketball pornography. Like it is just incredible. I mean, his entire game by and large, but like his passing is, is just unbelievable. But, like, I don't know. So, Michael Porter Jr. took a big leap in the playoffs. I get it. And that's the key to their season is him taking further steps. And the key for him is playing freaking defense because he's he's lost on that side side of the court. Lost or doesn't want to find a map or buy a map. He has some diva tendencies. And I feel like that can kind of start to manifest a little bit. Um, Paul Millsap, 35. You're yeah. starting to see some, you know, some cracks there. Oh, he's definitely, definitely breaking down. The, they were able to re-sign him though, um, relatively cheap. So I thought that was a good keep for them. They did trade away, or they did they trade Jeremy Grant, or did he just? No, he traded him. I think they did, right? Or he just straight up walked to Detroit. Yeah, because they had the same contract offers. Denver was going to offer him the same amount of money. And Detroit said, we can give you more playing time. And he went, I'm going to sign there. It was so weird. It was so weird because you would have thought you would want the stability of being in a winning organization that you've had success with for the same dollar amount as opposed to going to an unknown yeah, three years, kind 60 of million, right? dumpster fire of a, of a team in Detroit. Like no playoff hopes in my opinion. Um but just to go there because you're going to get a few more minutes? I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't want more minutes on a bad team. I'd want to be, <laughs> be on a contender. I wouldn't want to play with one of the teams that I've got as one of the three worst in the conference. So this is the early teaser. So, yeah. Yeah. I think Gary Harris is going to be better. He was awful uh, last year. I think he'll be better. Um, Jamal Murray was incredible the duels between him and donovan mitchell in the bubble were just fascinating to watch i mean the, those really saved that early part of the bubble those guys just going at each other was must see tv um and the fact that all those games were like rapid fire you had so many games it was like you know uh, march madness style it was and then to get the get the quality that you were getting it was amazing i love the bubble i'm gonna miss it I think it's going to be kind of weird watching these these games with these empty arenas because I thought the one thing they did really well in the bubble was to actually f- make it feel like a f- a, a full – it just felt more vibrant than what it was. But <clears throat> It was a weird sensation to the bubble. Like once you kind of got used to it and it wasn't yeah. as jarring anymore, it was, it was interesting. I think it'll be more jarring with – just watching, I mean, watching any of the preseason games and the college games, just those empty arenas. Can you imagine taking like free throws with, with nobody just there. nothing behind you? Like, I guess that's what they do in practice. So, like, I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. 
I feel like because in the NFL, you start to forget sometimes that there's nobody in the stadium in many cases. So right. I wonder if it's going to be like that. But I think like in most NBA shots, you can still see a healthy portion of the fans. If nothing exactly. Else. In the NFL, you, your shots are the field. The entire field, right? Uh, so I think that's going to be different. Um, and I don't know how they're going to do any noise, if they're going to do any like electronic people or cardboard people in the seats or whatever. See, I so if you think Denver's going to slide? I actually could. I could totally see them being the one seed in the West because wow. because the L.A. T- the the Lakers, I do not think get the one seed. Uh, just because they're going to rest, they're mm-hmm. they're tired, they're worn out. Le- LeBron isn't going to play till February, in my opinion. Not like he'll be at games, but he's not going to. He's not going to really, be LeBron. Right, and so I, that's why I personally have thrown him out of the MVP race. I just I don't so. see him – I don't see him devoting the time to the early part of the season um, to, to, to draw the attention that, that you'd need to get the necessary votes to win the MVP. He just doesn't care. Like he's kind of – he's already said that you know, he's going to take it easy because the season's starting too soon. When he shot in, his gun last year to be the MVP and Giannis got it right. Like I think LeBron finished second in the MVP voting last year. So um, yes, agree. Total agreement there. I do think he's going to be much more judicious with his time. um, Right. Which means that leaves. So finishing my thought, the guy who I thought was the best player in the bubble was actually Anthony Davis. Yeah. That's what I figured. And if you look at um, MVP odds, because I love looking at uh, future bets there, they really fascinate me. Luca's at plus four. 400 which i think is kind of high or you know it's kind of i, I don't know i don't know if it, i don't i don't think he wins it to be honest i just as i said i think he's going to miss time Giannis is at plus 425 there's no chance in hell that he wins three years in a row it just doesn't happen steph curry at plus 500 no way he doesn't make the time lebron at plus 700 as i said he's not going to get the time and then anthony davis at 700 that's my bet that that's gotta be a, a, my order of like, like how I think it's going to shake out irrespective of the odds. Like Anthony Davis, I think the narrative is very easily set for here, like torch passing, you know, yeah. most talented player in the NBA, blah, 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 all things like that. Like coming into his own kind of building off the tantal, like those tantalizing couple of seasons that he had in New Orleans, putting it all together, leading the Lakers to their back-to-back championships. All those narratives are in place for the MVP voters to cast a vote there, plus carrying the team to whatever they are with LeBron taking his labaticals. I hate right. that term. Yeah, as you should hate those terms. But, I mean, when did the bubble – when did the championship officially wrap up? Was it early October? I can't remember. I want to say September, but I don't even remember. I think it was end of September, early October. So they and, – and then it, games start in three days. So – for the for the teams that were in the bubble, especially the teams that reached the finals, they're they haven't had much time off. Then you've got the other teams that didn't go to the bubble that have had nine months off, and then you had the question marks of when's the season going to start? Is it going to start in mid January? Is it going to start in February? And then they finally went, no, 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 we can't we can't push these dates any further. We've we've got to start before Christmas. So like the training regimen regiments for all these players got all out of whack so this start of this season's gonna be ugly oh yeah ugly christmas day game so in the past the season doesn't you didn't start seeing good basketball till christmas and now these christmas day games might as well be be, preseason yeah they're gonna be a mess so you you really won't even get you won't get a feel for for teams till february and as i said lebron so that's why i think I, I'm putting the Lakers, so they're at 46 and a half is their over-under. And that's a hard one to pick. I, it's right around where I, I the numbers – like them and the Clippers and the Nuggets for that matter, like the number feels like right around where everyone's kind of putting right. them at and like what the math kind of roughly dictates. Right. Those are those – are, they're, they're stay-aways, Right. Because I just can't make my mind up on them. I have no confidence either way. Uh, I would lean towards the Clippers being, or the Lakers being under. 
for some reason, I think the Clippers will end up as the one seed just for the fact that I think they have a little bit more to prove because they were such a disappointment in the postseason. Um, Paul George has a lot to prove, especially after signing that big, bad extension, which I kind of laughed when I saw it. I just was like, of course you're signing this. Yeah, because who else is going to give you this kind of money? Yeah. You know, you better take it while you can before you embarrass yourself again in the postseason. Which you will. Right. So could you imagine him going into the offs, going into free agency next summer after another disappointing outing in the playoffs? That would be a nightmare for him. So I'm sure his agent worked very, 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 very hard to push for this extension now. I think with the Clippers, there was a lot of good stories. Like I think the Athletic had a big expose among other publications on like everything that went wrong with the Clippers last year. And there was a lot. Um, I think a lot of the blame has to fall on the over, over judicious, over, it's not even judicious, like the overzealous star treatment that they gave to Kawhi Leonard and, um, and Paul George expecting the same level of like, star treatment not realizing he's not Kawhi Leonard and for some reason like Paul George still thinks he's playoff P even though like he is is fucking Houdini when it comes to the playoffs because he just doesn't he disappears entirely but I think I agree with your point I think they're going to come out more fired up over the course of the regular season because they think there's a narrative about Kawhi that needs to be erased there's going to be the narrative as you said that Paul George is going to work going to want to overcome from last year's playoffs by working hard the regular season and then doing the same thing in the playoffs again. Um, you know, the transition to Ty Lue from Doc Rivers, um, bringing in different guys, like they shipped out a bunch of guys. They brought in someone who is Kawhi Leonard's friend, if such a thing exists, in Serge Ibaka. I thought that was a fantastic move at, after losing, after Montrez went to the Lakers, which was a good move for the Lakers. The Lakers bench is so much better. And he they also got a lot like better. Leonard. Like there was a little bit of friction there. Um, but surge getting surge in there is amazing. It's a, it's a, it's a twofold thing from one on the basketball perspective as well, but two, there's a little more of a, I guess, a bridge to Kawhi Leonard to someone he was relatively close to again, interesting understanding enough in, in, um, Toronto. So that's there. I think that another thing to be overlooked or that shouldn't be overlooked is the fact that like right before the season was canceled for the Clippers or for the NBA, I should say. Um, they were starting to come together. Like right. it was, there was, there was moments, and then you had the big, the big layoff, and then the the bubble, and just never really came together again after that. And like that's a thing, right? Right. So if you look at the Heat, which was probably the strongest culture team in the NBA, and they all just work hard, they were able to weather all of the stress and the strain and the mental struggles of the bubble, you know, we all kind of joke, like they're just playing basketball and they're staying in a hotel, but I'm like, I don't know. That still was not a pleasant experience for the players to be there, to not be around their families, to be stuck in one place. I'm sure that it got very, very old and the, and the heat being mentally tough succeeded. Whereas the Clippers being mentally weak um, folded. It was just, yeah, exactly. And like at, we, we've talked about this offline and in other conversations extensively, but when you have a guy that everyone kind of rallies around in Jimmy Butler, who is very vocally a leader in multiple facets, like one of the things that they struggled with on the Clippers last year was they didn't have that. Like Kawhi Leonard is many, many things. Kawhi Leonard is not a vocal leader. Kawhi Leonard is not a force of personality, right? He's not somebody who's not, he's not going to be rallying the troops. He's not going to be you know, taking people out to dinner, doing Instagram photos, whatever the fuck they do these days, right? Like, that's just not him. And, um, and they, they, they lack that, too, confirming your point. Right. But I, as I said, I, I still think that they end up showing out a little bit more because they're the ones that have something to prove. And life will be relatively normal or much more mimicking what it was last year to a certain extent, you know, um, no fans in the stadium, notwithstanding among other, other things that are going to take place over the course of the year. But yeah, I think we'll see, we'll see more glimpses of the pre the right before the bubble Clippers than we would of everything that happened after the bubble. Um, their, their over under is 45 and 20 It's 45 and a half wins. I should say like kind of like the over actually for them. I was going to say the same thing that like, they're interesting from an over perspective. Um, 
And, uh, you know, there's pieces there, right? Like, I think Nick Batum is way past his prime, but, like, that's a decent get. Um, is he? I, I think he shouldn't be in the league. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we'll see what he's got left. I really just, he was awful in Charlotte. He was a criminal. He was a criminal. He took some serious money from, from Michael Jordan and just was unplayable pretty much the entire duration of his contract. So that's really not much of a get for them. Was he doing the coin flip game where he was like trying to get the coin to the wall as close as he could and then like doing Is the, that how he got his contract? It must just be. The, eh. You know? Um, I don't know. This – as an eighth, guys, you as, can't trust him. As the ninth or tenth guy, um, I guess. Yeah, he's yeah. fine. He's yeah. fine as a rotation player. He, I don't think he sees the court very much. I have nothing nice to say about Luke Kennard because he went to Duke. But you know, I know. But again, uh, he gives one. That guy can't stay healthy either. No. But if he is out there, they need shooting because they they really don't have a whole lot of outside shooting. Actually, there's one player who everyone is like, how is he still on the roster? Why is he on the roster? Like everywhere I was reading and kind of, you know, they're like Patrick Peterson was the one guy. They're like, this guy is still an NBA how player. Is he in the league? Why is he not in the Philippines? I was going to say uh, in Turkey or China or something like that. Like Andre Blatch. That's where he yeah. should be, in the Philippines with Andre Blatch. Um, Hopefully he doesn't tell everyone that he's Filipino as well, like Andre Blatch did. But, oh, um, God. If you look at the Lakers bench, though, it is kind of – I mean, it's not scary, scary because Dennis. So they got the the, the sixth man of the year and the runner up to the sixth man of the year, and and Montrez and uh, Dennis Schroeder, who is a huge upgrade over Rajon Rondo, even though playoff Rajon Rondo was was still pretty good. I can't believe he ran to Atlanta and and cashed those checks. I figured he would have maybe stayed. In, continue to ring chase i was gonna say why not stay on that gravy train exactly but no he he went for the big payout (laughs) we can talk about atlanta on the the next pod but um yeah west matthews was uh a pretty good get for them they kept markeith of course kcp got paid that was that you knew was going to happen what was funny was prior to the playoffs he was not very good at all and you're you're thinking to yourself this clutch player is finally gonna not get paid by the lakers they're gonna they're gonna kind of usher him out and then he showed up in the finals and they had to pay him 40 million dollars god that guy's gotten so much money and it's not equitable to the return um it's like being someone's little brother and like and you have like a really 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 good big brother and like you get paid as a result of like your older brother's like accomplishments. Cause like, you mean KCP, like Giannis's brothers? Yeah. Giannis's brother is on the roster just to appease, you know, making sure that he signs a super duper duper max, right? But like, I mean, KCP, good lord, that's the equivalent of like, take care of this guy and then I'll let you take care of my main guy in terms of the agent world. Um, and then, uh, and of course, the out, it's, it's far and away very obvious that the, best player on the Los Angeles Lakers is future uh, first ballot hall of famer, multi-time all-star um, space jam, three star Alex Caruso. Alex. <laughs> so what does space jam come Oh, space jam three? You said space jam two. I, it's supposed to come be, out this year on the, on the um, HBO max. I think it's what will end up coming out. Yeah. Uh, sadly, I will probably watch it. I don't just know. With the it, children. They like tell the me, first one. Tell me how far into the movie it is that LeBron James joins the Monstars. <laughs> it will it will it'll probably be at like the twenty minute mark. It's gonna say I'm I'm gonna use all the press conference with Jim Gray and be like, I'm taking my talents to whatever planet that they live they come from, right? And tell oh. death. Right. Meanwhile the entire earth is burning down from COVID twenty or COVID twenty one and he's like, I'm gonna take my talents elsewhere. Huh. <sighs> So also Marcus All, that was a really good get because he's an incredibly smart basketball player. He still plays defense at a high level. Um, of course, he's again he's another guy that you're not going to get 72 games out of, uh, but you don't need to. You, you just need to get 50 out of him in the regular season and get as much as out of him as you can in the postseason. And he's going to do a lot of things. He's still, I mean, he was defensive player of the year numerous times. I, I thought he's, he won. He's still old enough to be like to do old man things 
for the when it counts the most. And I think that's what they they, they know that that's what they, they signed him for. Right. Well, he can still he can space the floor because he he has good three point shooting range. He plays good team defense, and he's smart as hell on the offensive side. So, and juxtapose uh, their previous centers that they let go of all of them, Javale and Dwight Howard. Uh, you imagine telling yourself you improved. won the championship with with Dwight Howard and Javale McGee. Like, can you just imagine, like, if somebody told you that that's, like, the team that won the championship, you'd be like, just get the fuck out of here. And yet they did. How many rings does JaVale have now? Three, maybe? He has at least one with the, the Warriors. So. Right. Meanwhile, Charles Barkley, not that he's dead, would be rolling in his grave with things like that. Or Carl Malone, for that matter. Three-time NBA champion, 17, 18, and 20. Jesus, Lord Almighty. Yeah, yeah, that's – it's a tragedy. Again, he's another guy that shouldn't <laughs> shouldn't be in the NBA, and he keeps sticking around. Um, Have you watched any of this Talon Horton Tucker guy? No, I've just seen him come up that he's been balling out in preseason. But what, what, he's just, just like he's a big dude. Don't. Yeah, yeah, and he's gonna be he's like not being... really. He's kind of like a, a PJ Tucker. Yeah, where he's I like mean, he's short, but he's stocky. He's, he's like very PJ Tucker, very thick. Charles Barkley. He's only six four. Right. Um, but uh, so um, he has. Been, I don't. I don't know what the fuss is. I mean, he's just been balling out in the preseason. It's like you said. I mean, I'm looking at the numbers. I mean, it's nothing crazy. Everyone's just been kind of blowing their load about him. I um, I think it's more or less that he's come out of nowhere because I mean, second round pick that's bounced around a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, he. His his percentages aren't like phenomenal, you know. He's he shot the he shot threes at a at a pretty good rate, um, but Jared Dudley on there chasing his last ring. Well, I mean, he got one last year. Yeah, and then Wesley Matthews is still there, but he's obviously there. The other interesting wrinkle, if there's anything that's going to come out of there, is if they trade Kuzma because he's another odd fit player. Um, he he, he never worked. Like he, he when, actually played better in the bubble, but like. I mean, you know, all things considered, it wasn't really exactly a um, a big contrast for him. So for me, he just doesn't look like he just he doesn't have it. He never progressed as his rookie year. Like no, remember, as a rookie, we were ever like, oh my god, Kuzma's so good, and Lonzo Ball is not good. And Lonzo Ball is a second overall pick, and Kuz was like in the in the, in the mid twenties. And it's like their career trajectories have been very different because it's like, okay, Lonzo might have been here to start off with, but at least he's at least he's gone up, and Kuzma's kind of just been studying, you know, the same guy. I mean, he's not like Chris Singleton where like his first game was his best game and it always like downhill from there. But literally his first season was kind of his best season. But again, it was a good good stats, bad team type scenario. Now that he's on a good team, he just – they don't need him to create because they have better creators. And that's what – he's just – I don't know. He just doesn't have it. He's just – I don't – I mean, when it all comes together, it's like we've talked about, it, right? That they have enough veteran pieces that, like, between right. you know, um, like shooter, for lack of a better term, is pl- or for for nothing, if nothing else, he's playoff tested. Like he's been to the postseason a few times, um, you know. And then the rest of the guys, because they were on the team last year, battle tested and been postseason tested. And then you still have the ultimate, you know, chess piece in LeBron James. Unfortunately, um, you know, they're, they're the overwhelming favorite to win the title. I think it's silly to bet on anyone else winning the title. And we'll talk about much more about this in the East as well. But like, if it's going to be, again, the case of whoever wins the West is probably going to win the title, assuming it's one of the two LA teams, because I just don't believe anyone in the East is really well situated. And anyone in the East, including last year's Eastern Conference finalist or Eastern Conference winner or champion, um, I just don't believe that they're well-suited enough to really dethrone anyone in the West. So. No, I as don't think as, so. As sad as that makes me. Um, so, yeah. Also, I, I, go ahead. I think we, we definitely, as we alluded to at the start of this, is that it's kind of like the Golden State series where it's it's not like they have three studs with Durant, Thomas, or four. Golden State, goddamn, they had four. Yeah. With with Clay, Clay Steph Curry, Curry, Draymond, KD, and KD. And Draymond. Uh, they just have LeBron and AD, but then they still have – they they they're better. They got better. Of all the teams in the NBA, 
this offseason, they're the they improved the most and they already were the champions. So it's hard not to already crown them before the season even starts. And when the push comes to shove, they have two of the five best players in the NBA, maybe two of the four best players in the NBA, right? Like I have maintained this throughout that like Anthony Davis from a talent perspective, there were those years where like, I don't know, maybe, maybe what's his name? Um, Carl Anthony Towns is better than Anthony Davis. And maybe, you know, some other players better than Anthony Davis. Like Anthony Davis is so ungodly talented. Like, I mean, like just, he's again, he's one of those players that like, if you could give him a hundred health and like, a hundred tenacity. He's another shut down the NBA type of player because he would literally be unstoppable. And it's so that's so what I'm unfair. curious to see when LeBron does sit, will he just take over? I would, and that's where I think he comes in as the MVP. I think he will because remember yeah. in eighteen with his last season, like his last full season in New Orleans, he had that stretch where like he was basketball Cthulhu, right? Like he was just fucking ripping everything to shreds. And then I think he got hurt or it wasn't that he cooled off. I think he just got hurt or something, which is kind of par for the course. And then, you know, um, and then they, it, there was the playoffs where they swept Portland. They were the sixth seed and they swept the three seed Portland trailblazers and they went to the, the second round of the playoffs. Right. But I'm like, you know, this guy is out of control. Good. Right. And, um, and that's what was so frustrating about him going to LA and like him being a second banana and all of these things. But um yeah, I, I, that's that's if I had to put my money, that's where I would put it on too. I may have to make a little throw some money in that direction because, um, again, between the composition of where he is, a team that is nationally spotlight relevant enough that he'll the narrative will be easy to justify it. Plus, oh, he took this team to X many wins without LeBron. I think it's it's an easy story for people to write. Definitely, and the uh, lawmakers in Maryland need to get off their ass and get this uh, sports gambling. Uh, get get it going and get the mobile apps. Like yeah, so I was because um, DC doesn't even have mobile live. They have sports gambling's legal, but not on your on your phone, which just seems insane to me. I wonder what are the workarounds if like you were to sign up with like a VPN company and like how that works from a like if you had a VPN membership if you're able to place bets online through that. No clue. Yeah, I'm not that tech savvy. Apparently, like NordVPN and companies like that allow you, like let's say, um, like let's say I want to set up an NFL Sunday ticket to watch Washington games on a secondary TV, and I can't because it's blacked out in my market. Like I could VPN myself, be like, oh, I actually live in, you know, Mogadishu, and um, I'm able to, like, you know, that's where my place of residence is, so I should be able to watch local games. So anyway, so I would just VPN and say I'm in Hoboken, exactly, and, and just <clears throat> gamble on FanDuel. Yeah. Or wherever else, it's whatever other states it's legal in. Isn't Arizona legal? Anyway, regardless of that. It's going to be legal everywhere here soon. Yeah, it's just a matter of lawmakers getting off their ass and doing so. Um, Yes, I would like to place a tidy wager on Anthony Davis winning the MVP. I also have another person I would like to place on MVP, but I can save that for the next discussion. Let us save that for the next discussion indeed. Although now I'm kind of a little intrigued, but I think I know who it is um, for that. So part two, we'll hopefully feature a sober and um, less busy Neil for that. So we can get his thoughts or his lamentations about the Chicago Bulls. And um, we can make fun of him a little bit for that. Yeah, because nobody wants to talk about the Bulls. Nobody wants to talk about the Bulls. Um, We'll leave on this. given the fandom that we both align with. Um, it, it's interesting to see that we are, we were more bearish on the wizards in our last podcast after the Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, keep on saying Russell, the Russell Westbrook trade um, than a lot of other people are. And it's just kind of funny to hear that out. Like if you listen to the rest of the NBA punditry, they liked it a lot more than we did. They, people love it. There a lot of people are really high on them and I'm Slightly drinking the Kool Aid oh, on. Oh God, it. yes! I've I've already started to put the ice cubes in. I <laughs> yeah. boiled water for the crystal clear ice cubes, you know. And I'm like, it's, sign me it's, up. It's kind of embarrassing. I uh, I have I have really watched some limited preseason. I don't think did Russ even play? Has he even? Played? I don't think he's played. Yet. I don't think he's played. Um, and which is fine. The preseason is just utter garbage. But I am really interested to see this team. I, I want to see Denny. I want to see what he does. He came out on fire, man. He, he came out on fire, right? In his and first game, 
and he, he said something. He's, he's like, yeah. He's like, well, I don't understand why are people saying bad things about my jump shot? He's like, my jump shot is amazing. And I'm like, well, if your jump shot's amazing, then we have lots of good things to look forward to. Yeah, he's he's another uh, key to their uh, future success. Westbrook did get 17 minutes against in uh, the Wizards' poor, uh, preseason win against Detroit. Oh wow! Congratulations. Yeah. Well. Uh, it, it's more noteworthy that Troy Brown got 21 minutes considering Scott Brooks is going to make sure that Troy Brown never plays basketball ever again, but we'll save all of that for the Eastern conference preview, but I'm going to make a free Troy Brown t-shirt because Lord knows we need it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So on that note, thank you, John, for part one. Hopefully we'll be able to, not hopefully we will be able to do this once we can get Neil out of um, drinking. Um, <laughs> So for part two, so for everyone who hasn't done so, please make sure you subscribe to us and hang around for part two or keep an eye out for part two, which will be dropping very, very close um, or in line with the tip off of the 2020 slash 2021 NBA season. But yeah, we will talk to you later. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast.